Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for coming and starting 2019 off with us in worship this morning. During Advent, we looked at the opening chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, and we tried to see how Matthew begins to tell the story of the life, the death, the resurrection, and the teaching of Jesus. There's this great arc that Matthew follows. And today, we're going to look at Matthew, well, we're going to begin to look at Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, this great collection of Jesus's moral and ethical teachings about what he found to be important about, to teach about human life. We're gonna ask some important questions. What is the teaching of Jesus, and how is his message different than the other messages that are available to us? Another question we're gonna ask and hopefully answer is, you know, how are we supposed to respond to this message compared to those who heard it originally 2,000 years ago? Do we respond in the same way? Is there a difference? And if there is a difference, why? And then for us today, the most important question is why should we trust him? Why should we trust Jesus as a teacher? So let us look at our opening scripture passage, Matthew chapter five, verses one and two. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great opening to the Sermon on the Mount. It's only two verses, God, but we ask that you might be able to teach us from them. Lord, that you might reveal to us the one who is the great teacher, and then you would show us his teaching that you might speak a word to our hearts that only you can speak, and that word might transform us. So Lord, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What would be the final mission statement of your life? If you had to summarize all that was important to you, everything that you thought meaningful, into one last great statement, what would it be? What's most important to you? What do you really care about? Back in 2007, a Carnegie Mellon University professor was invited to participate in a series called The Last Lecture Series. It's a series where they invite academics who are prominent and famous and well-known to offer a summary statement about their teaching, about their research, about what they really care about. It's an opportunity for them to offer the last lecture. So they invited Randy Pausch to give his last lecture. But about a month before he was scheduled to speak, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It was terminal. And so his last lecture did end up being his, in effect, last lecture. So as he entered into that great uh, auditorium at Carnegie Mellon University's campus in Pittsburgh, and it's packed to the gills, over 400 folks show up, their students and faculty members, colleagues, family, they're all there. And as he comes to the lectern, they give him a standing ovation. 
They're just clapping and standing. And he becomes kind of embarrassed. You know, he says, you know, wants them to sit down, but they won't stop. And he says, please, please make me earn it. And then someone from the back says, you already have. And then he was to give his last lecture. Less than a year later, Randy Pausch died at the age of 47. But although he died, his lecture and message live on. His last lecture was collected into a book. It was translated into over 48 languages. Over 5 million copies of his book was sold in America alone. 5 million copies. Even though he died, his message, his teaching lives on. What kind of message, what kind of teaching is going to live on after your life? I think here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, we see the message, the teaching that lives on after Jesus. The summary of what he really cares about. What we should pay attention to. What's really important. It's interesting, he begins uh, with a summary statement. Begins by, by saying what he really cares about. And Matthew says, he goes up the mountain. Now, one of the great themes in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus teaches has to be do with the kingdom of heaven. Basilia tau eranos in Greek. Tau eranos means of heaven, but basilia is a little tricky. Most translations translate it kingdom. But for many of us who are living in 2019, the language of kingdom rings to us a little anachronistic. Seems a little ancient. We don't have a lot of kingdoms. And so some translators choose the word empire. The empire of heaven. And one of the reasons they choose empire is because they want to contrast Jesus' message about the empire of heaven and the Roman empire. They want to say, Jesus is preaching a message about the empire of heaven that is very different than the Roman empire. The Roman Empire ruled most of the known world. When the Roman Empire talked about power, it talked about violence. When Jesus came to talk about the kingdom of heaven, it talked about peace. When the Roman Empire thought about taking over, they thought about violence, but they thought about vengeance. Jesus, when he talked about the empire of heaven, talked about forgiveness. The Roman Empire was founded on oppression. What does Jesus talk about in the Sermon on the Mount? We'll find he talks about compassion. This was a very different way of being in the world, a different way of seeing your life, seeing about your purpose, seeing about your community's purpose. And even though this man, a rabbi, a wandering teacher who lived in the backwoods of the Roman Empire. Nobody could have given a flying flip about him. Careful there. <laughs> he didn't, no one cared about him. He was executed somewhat anonymously in the backwoods of the Roman Empire. But yet his teaching still changes lives today, 2,000 years later. How many of you have read the great words of Caesar Augustus? Neither have I. But I've read the words of Jesus. 
even though he was a commoner, oppressed, eventually executed, his message went on to change the world. Matthew portrays Jesus as a great teacher and rabbi. He begins by saying, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. Now, for all of those who are familiar with the Old Testament, alarm bells should be going off in your brain. Jesus is going up the mountain. Up the mountain. A mountain is a place of revelation. If you read in the Old Testament, prophets, kings, they go up the mountain to receive a word from the Lord. The most famous comes in Exodus 19 when Moses goes up the mountain. The mountain is shrouded in smoke and he goes up there to receive a word from the Lord. And what he receives are the Ten Commandments. And these commandments reveal God's will for the people to live in utter distinction from the surrounding cultures. And they reveal God's will about how we should relate to God and how we should relate to one another. There's a difference that this revelation makes in the world. And just as Moses went up the mountain and came back to reveal a new way of life, so now too Jesus goes up the mountain and he begins to teach about a new way of life, a new way of being in the world, about the kingdom of heaven, not the Roman Empire. Several, several points we should clarify before we get into the, the teaching parts of the Sermon on the Mount. The first is this. Jesus' words are not just for individuals. They are for communities. Okay. We really should have had, I'm, I'm just being truthful. I'm not plaguing I mean, this is just the truth. We really should have had a Southerner translate the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. Because every time Jesus says you, usually he means y'all. I'm not kidding. It's the second person plural in the Greek. But when we read you, we think it's just to me. But he's saying, y'all, it's not just for Scott, it's, it's for us all. It's to transform our community. This message is not just for me, it's for us, it's for we. Second, Jesus came not just to save our souls, but to change our lives. Jesus came not just to save our souls, but to change our lives. He wants us to inhabit the world differently. We have real decisions to make. Will we hold bitterness or will we forgive? Will we show compassion or will we show violence? Will we be greedy or will we be generous? These are real decisions. There's a fork in the road and we have to decide. And Jesus is inviting us to make the right choice. We cannot see his message as um, a fire escape plan to escape the world. No, his message is about the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. Heaven on earth. When you see these characteristics, that's where heaven is on earth. That's the empire of heaven. And third, Jesus offers us the, basically like the GPS coordinates for the kingdom of heaven. He helps orient us in the world and show us how our lives ought to be lived differently if we want to see the kingdom of heaven on earth. This is contrary to many of the messages and the teachings and the worldviews of the world. He's offering us a different way to live. I offer for an example. Back in my late 20s, I was living in Washington, D.C. for a summer. 
And I met one of my friends uh, down at a restaurant for dinner in, uh, near the Capitol in Washington, D.C. We had a lovely dinner, went a little late, so I was in a hurry to get home. So I needed to get up early the next day. And so, so I was driving and trying to find my way. And I plug in my coordinates in MapQuest. Do you remember MapQuest? And this might be why we don't use it anymore, because they didn't put in to the MapQuest that like, there was like this major construction project that I run into. And so basically, I can't figure out how to get out of there. And I'm circling the White House. Okay? And, and there may be times you want to visit the White House, but in the middle of the night is not the time to circle the White House. And so as I'm going around, these guys pull up next to me. And it's hot and humid, so my windows are down. I'm in my little Honda Civic, and these guys pull up next to me. And they say, hey, man, your right front wheel's about to fall off. Pull over, and we'll help you. And I have this decision to make, and I'm like, oh, Lord. And I'm scared, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to risk it. So I just keep going. And I'm like really terrified at this point. And then it hits me. I make a phone call. I call my friend Lauren, who I'd had dinner with, who lived in D.C., and I call her and say, can you get me out of here? I don't know where I am. I'm at this such and such intersection. She says, I know right where you're at. Okay, go straight. Take a left. Go a mile. Take a right. Okay, you see the highway? Get on it. You'll be fine. And I was like, Phew. So I got home. In the driveway, I walk around, and I look. My wheel was still there. <laughs> but I, in a time when you're scared, when you don't know where you're going, you need a message from somebody outside of the situation, outside of your current predicament, to offer you hope, to offer you direction, to offer you a pathway to show you the right way to go. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven because he's come from outside of our reality and to offer us the right way to go. A new, the new coordinates to live in the world. And so Jesus is offering us a way for us to flourish as human beings. If we listen to his teaching, we'll see, he says, my teaching will not force you to be suffocated by anger, trapped by bitterness, locked in unforgiveness, extinguished in pride. Jesus' teaching is meant to free us to flourish as individuals and as a community. He says, I'm here to offer you a roadmap for human flourishing, to experience heaven on earth. Now, in Matthew's audience, you know, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew, everybody up until this point would have thought that the greatest teacher in Israel was Moses. And so in the first four chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew lays out the life of Jesus and shows surprising a number of parallels and similarities between their lives. So for instance, both of their births are predicted in dreams. Both of their births are related to the slaughter of innocent babies. We see Pharaoh kills the young males in Egypt. And we saw last week King Herod kills the young males in Bethlehem. They both have to flee to slave, uh, safety. Matthew and Jesus both have to flee to safety and only can come back once God says it's safe. They both go through the Jordan River. Moses in the Exodus, Jesus in his baptism. There are all these parallels that Matthew is using to set up the Sermon on the Mount. To say, 
Just as Moses was a great teacher, Jesus is a great teacher as well, but he will surpass Moses. He's going to offer this message not just to the Israelites, but to the world. Note what Matthew writes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them. Dot, dot, dot. I, 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 I didn't finish. You can start with his actual teachings. I want you guys to come back next week. But notice what Jesus does. The crowds gather. Okay, Jesus gathers a crowd. His teaching brings people. There's a lot of looky-loos out there. They come to see him. But notice, when Jesus goes up the mountain, who follows him? His disciples. See, many people, the crowds come. Crowds come around. But only his disciples follow him up and are ready to listen and follow his teachings. They're ready to say, yes, we trust you. Yes, we're ready. Give it to us. We want to hear your message. And so he begins. But our question still is, why should we trust Jesus as a great teacher? I think we have a lot of reasons. But today, in Matthew, I want you to know that Jesus teaches a lot of parables. And so today I want to close with a parable. Imagine that you're on a journey and you come to a great chasm and there's a suspension bridge reaches from one side to the other. And over it, there's a great chasm. And if you were to fall into the chasm, it would mean certain death. And you're looking at this suspension bridge and it's, it's, it looks worrisome. It's got tattered ropes, brittle limbs, barely holding it together. But you need to get across, but you don't know how will the bridge hold you. And as you're standing there, as you're becoming anxious, as you're worrying, your five-year-old beloved little sister comes out of the clearing on the other side. There she is. She says, hey, so good to see you. I've missed you. I want you to come across. I tell you what, I'm going to show you the path I took across the bridge. She means well. She loves you. You love her. And just as about you're about to step out, all of a sudden you think to yourself, wait, I weigh a lot more than my five-year-old little sister. If I take the path she's telling me to take, it might not be able to hold me. And you're getting really worried. You're standing there on the precipice, about to step out, and you're getting worried. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of the clearing comes your high school math teacher, and he knocks your sister out of the way. Yeah. And he says, he has a little like twinkle in his eye, his little crafty smile. And he says, I'll show you how to come across. And just when you're about to say, okay, I'll, I'll do it, all of a sudden you remember. You remember high school math class. And you used to talk all of the time when the teacher was, was teaching math. And you remember, just as about you're about to step out, you remember that one time where he got really angry at you. And he says, you're going to live to regret this. When you least expect it, it's going to come back to haunt you. And all of a sudden, you get really worried. We have a problem here. We have a teacher, your little sister, who was full of love, who was full of goodwill, 
but it may not have the knowledge to help you get across. She doesn't have the right knowledge to help you. We have your high school math teacher who's got the knowledge. He knows the pathway to help you, but you're worried about his goodwill. You're worried about his love. Friends, in Jesus Christ, we have a teacher who combines knowledge and love. We have a teacher who has knowledge about the kingdom of heaven, but who also has goodwill, has such great love that he lays his life down for the world and they come together in Jesus. You see, in the Sermon on the Mount, we have his great last lecture. We have a message of someone with great knowledge and also great love, and it comes together. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to see and meet the teacher we all need. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that in Jesus Christ we have the teacher we need. And so we thank you for him and all that he's taught us. We pray that every week we might be transformed more and more into the people, into the community, into the family of faith that you have created and called us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.